Welcome to Blitzcast number 67. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Kavtov, and I'm going to bring in my partner and uh, co-host, Ed Hunt, very shortly. Uh, we have a lot to talk about this week. We're continuing with our college football previews. We will talk about the ACC and the Big 12 conferences, teams that you should be keeping an eye on, prospects that you should be uh, talking about going into uh, this 2019 season. Then we'll put two more prospects under the, the scouting microscope, something that we uh, have been doing uh, the past year, something that we did last year. Uh, leading up to the 2019 NFL Draft, and we're continuing to do that that popular feature. But, uh, Ed, NFL season, preseason action has finally begun. Uh, obviously, all the hoopla around training camp, but we finally got to see some of the players during week one action. And I wanted to uh, focus on, on the rookie quarterbacks and how they did. Uh, Kyla Murray. Uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, Daniel Jones with the New York Giants, and, and Dwayne Haskins with the Washington Redskins. Uh, there's a lot to get excited about. Obviously, um, let's talk about that. Let, let's start with Kyla Murray, the, the number one overall pick last year by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals organization traded away Josh Rosen. They put everything on the line because they felt that Kyla Murray was was their guy. And uh, he he did really well, Ed. He did do well. Um, the the caveat to that is that he did play in a very quarterback friendly offense. I do acknowledge that this is this is the offense that he's going to play in for the Cardinals. But I thought he he really had to con- complete a lot of short passes, and you know it got his confidence up. But you know a lot of short passes he wasn't really completing them deep, and that's why you know he didn't he didn't get down the field. But uh, you know, he, he, he definitely, he definitely, uh, you know, this is definitely a good start for him and, you know, he could build on it. And I, of, of, of all the, of all the kind of quarterbacks, you know, looking at the preseason, looking at my draft grades, I'm feeling the best about Kyler Murray of any of the quarterbacks. Well, again, let's put it into context. It's still early, but he does have a quarterback friendly system and they do have to throw a lot of short passes because the Arizona Cardinals don't really have a, a really good offensive line. I mean, if he holds that ball for five to seven seconds, he's going to get killed by, by those NFL defenses. He's going to be running around like crazy. So Kingsbury knows this. He, he has to get rid of the ball quickly. He's got to show off that, that quick release. And I, I think, you know, it's, it, it's what we're going to see from them. He's going to put up huge numbers because that defense is terrible. So the Arizona Cardinals are going to be relying on that offense, spreading the field and throwing a lot of short passes and scoring points. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, and, and definitely Kyler Murray, we knew this. I mean, Kyler Murray fits that system. But a lot of positive reviews um, about Kyler Murray's performance after week one. And to be honest with you, if if it continues down this path, he should be the – the favorite to win the offensive rookie of the year. What do you think about that? It, because it's looking, they, it, they, they are going to score a lot of points. I mean, we, we realize this. I mean, uh, Kingsbury scored a lot of points at Texas Tech, and he's not going to stop now. He's going to spread the field. He's going to run the no huddle offense. Uh, he's going to have four or five wide receivers out there, and it just it, it looks like he he's a legitimate favorite uh, front runner for the offensive rookie of the year. 
I liked Kyler Murray's tape. I, I do want to acknowledge that I tend to have a bias against these sort of mobile quarterbacks. And you know what? I almost really almost want to change my philosophy on it because, you know, in the past it was like, you know, these pocket quarterbacks were the only ones who could really be that successful in the NFL. And maybe Russell Wilson was the exception, but I, I'm really, I'm really starting to warm up a little bit to these running quarterbacks. I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm reflecting on my draft grades and, you know, maybe some of these, these, these sort of dual threat quarterbacks in college really can do it in the NFL. Um, so that, that's kind of my reflection. Well, I mean, a lot of it is going to depend on, they, they have to put a good team around Kyla Murray and it, it's going to take a while because the Arizona Cardinals haven't, haven't done a good job drafting people the past couple of years, but I hope this is, this is the start of something big. So we'll, we'll find out again. Um, it's a good start for Kyla Murray and we'll see if he can build on it in week two. What about Daniel Jones? Ed, everybody picked on Daniel Jones. You and I picked on Daniel Jones. All the experts out there picked on Daniel Jones because Dave Gettleman drafted him with the sixth overall pick and, and then Gettleman went on record and said, Hey, he was my quarterback. He was the guy I was going to choose either way. Um, he's the guy of the future and the, I believe in, it, and how I evaluate quarterbacks. So what are we to make of this, Ed? I mean, D- Daniel Jones had a good, again, a very good performance during week one. And uh, maybe everybody was wrong, and Dave Gettleman is uh, is the genius here, right, Ed? Well, I, I still – the main problem that I had with Daniel Jones – was the fact that I, I don't see him being able to stretch the field and open up the field that much. I see a, a guy who can, you know, sort of fit in a system and throw a lot of short passes. And, you know, even even I sometimes worry about his accuracy. His accuracy did improve. It, it did really improve, and it looked it looked good. It looked good from what I saw. I mean, the, the first thing that, that kind of popped up, and I even tweeted it, you know, it was like, Daniel Jones looks good on – in, in the Giants game. So I, I, you know, I, I mean, if, if, if this is a stock, Daniel Jones stock has risen from this game, but I still see an issue with Daniel Jones and getting the ball down the field because a, a really an elite quarterback, a good franchise quarterback is able to get the ball all around the field. You know, if you want a game manager, that's fine, but don't, I mean, you know, you spent a sixth pick on him so you, you you don't want just a game manager. You want a guy who can really be a little bit more aggressive. So going forward, if he can get a little more aggressive in the offense, then I'll then I'll buy into the Daniel Jones hype. I, I think they'll trust him a little bit more. But I look at that wide receiver core, and they just they don't have much. I mean, Golden Tate has been suspended for four games. Sterling Shepard is down. OBJ is out. Who is he going to throw to? I mean, the Giants don't have any weapons. They've got Saquon Barkley, and I guess Saquon Barkley is going to catch, you know, over a 100 receptions and have like 2,000 or 2,500 yards from scrimmage. But Saquon Barkley is going to be the only offense in that in in the New York system. So it's going to be interesting. But the one thing about Daniel Jones during Week One, Ed, that I noticed, he showed a much better arm than what I saw during his college days. So they've been working on his mechanics a little bit. And he was able to fit the ball into some tight spots where I didn't think that he was capable of doing that. So that's what I was impressed about. So, I again, week one, it's preseason, it's vanilla defense, but you know, it's it's much better to get off to a good start than a bad one. 
Um, let's talk about Dwayne Haskins, uh, the, the Washington Redskins quarterback. He, he had some mixed results there during his, uh, during his game during week one. Yeah. I mean, he was probably the weakest of the three first rounders. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't completing as many passes and, um, you know, he, he, he some, he sometimes has this look of being, you know, almost like too big and like maybe not being able to play under control, you know, get his accuracy down. Um, you know, I sometimes he can have good accuracy, but I'd like to see it be more consistent. Um, I think that was the issue that I'm really seeing with Dwayne Haskins. Well, he, at Ohio State, he had a QB friendly system and it just made him look like he was God, like he was a lot more accurate than he was. But you and I questioned his accuracy during when we evaluate when we evaluated his college tape, right? I mean, it's it's nothing surprising out there. He completed a lot of crossing routes, a lot of easy passes, but at times he struggled with his accuracy. So his his completion percentage of a, what was it? It was around seventy percent that he completed during his lone season as a redshirt sophomore. It was. It was bloated, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was. I mean, but again, it's it's something to build on. He is the youngest of this group. Um, and to, to be honest with you, I think I'm expecting a lot better performance from Dwayne Haskins week two. Right now, he doesn't look like a starter. Right? I mean, it looks like yeah. he's... It looks like Case Keenum is going to be the starting quarterback to open the season for the Washington Redskins, as scary as that sounds. But I think eventually Haskins, after the first week of the maybe like first month of the season, I think he'll take over. But right now he's just he's not ready to be that week one starter. Do you agree? Yeah, I I would definitely sit him, uh, you know, develop him, get him under control. Um, you know, get his accuracy, get him some, you know, maybe even just getting comfortable in an NFL game. You know, the game slows down for him because the game slowed down for him at Ohio State, and I think that's where he really thrived. So if he can, if if the game can slow down for him in in, in the NFL game, I think that I think that'll be that that that'll almost compound in 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 benefit for him. All right, look, I wanted to talk about the Steelers quarterback, said, and I wanted to move on to your team, the, the team that you root for. Uh, you, you must you must be feeling good because, look, obviously Ben Roethlisberger is the starting quarterback, but there's a battle going on for that backup job, whether it's Joshua Dobbs uh, from former quarterback of Tennessee or whether it's, you know, Rudolph, uh, Oklahoma State quarterback. And then there's the Duck Devlin Hodges, you know, a guy who has set all types of records in the FCS and still got overlooked because he was undersized and and people just didn't believe in the small school product. And so I'm looking at all these three quarterbacks and the Steelers might be feeling good uh, as far as what they have behind Big Ben. Yeah, the the problem is, is Devlin Hodges is definitely probably a number three quarterback worthy, but uh, you know, I think that, I think they just, the, the, the first two, you know, Dobbs looked good, but I don't think he deserves to be the backup. I, I really like the performance from Mason Rudolph. I think he had the best night. He was the one who was moving the ball. He was the one who got the big points for them. Um, you know, he, he, for me, he's the guy with the biggest upside. Uh, I know, I know there's some debate. Some people think that Josh Dobbs is the biggest upside, but, you know, I would love, I would really love it if, you know, Mason Rudolph could kind of build on it and you know Mason Rudolph will probably never be Ben Roethlisberger but he might be able to be the guy in Pittsburgh 
Um, and, you know, he might be more of the, the sort of cerebral game manager type, but I, I really like to see, I really like the accuracy I'm seeing from him. I, I just, I, you know, I would just like it if maybe they could, they could maybe get him to sort of move the ball down the field a little bit more. You know, I think the Steelers are hoping that Mason Rudolph wins the backup job. And I think when they drafted him, they were hoping he was going to be the heir apparent to Big Ben. Uh, let me float this idea out there. Rudolph wins the backup job. Joshua Dobbs gets traded. They keep Devlin Hodges as the number three, even though the Steelers before in the past, I mean, they've kept only two quarterbacks on the roster. But if they stash Devlin Hodges on the practice squad, he's going to be gone. So what do you think about that idea? I would rather I, – I like Josh Dobbs over Devlin Hodges at this point. I, I, I will acknowledge – I don't think Devlin Hodges did as well as I think you're seeing it, but I will say, I mean, he was pretty much playing with guys who, you know, may not even ever, ever have much more of an NFL career after this training camp. You know, maybe they'll go, they'll come back to another training camp, but the, you know, he wasn't playing with the, with the best of the best and he wasn't playing against the best of the best. He is probably the best number four quarterback that they've brought to camp in a while. And I'll, I will acknowledge that. And, uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe really what the hope is with Devlin Hodges is, you know, he, he, he builds enough, he builds enough of a preseason that, you know, someone likes him as a number three and maybe you get, you get, you know, a seventh round pick for him or a sixth round pick for him and, you know, that, and I, I think that would be a victory for the Steelers, but I, I would much rather go with Dobbs. I, I still like, I still like a lot of things about Dobbs. I think he's mobile. I think he, I think he can flash in games. You know, he maybe, he maybe hasn't done as well in practice, but, you know, in games, in games is, you know, he's, he's flashed in the preseason and, you know, there have been times he hasn't looked as good and he's been a little streaky, but, you know, give him, give him some time in this league and he, he becomes a more consistent quarterback and, you know, that could be a really, uh, you know, a, a room with depth, you know, where you could go one, two, three with that team for a couple of years. I'm glad that you came around on Joshua Dobbs because last year you weren't his biggest fan. No, I, in fact, I thought they should have kept Landry Jones and it was really that fourth preseason game where he just lit it up and it was almost like, you know, and, and I just thought, well, you know, Mason Rudolph isn't ready to be the number two. And so you're really, you're really, you were really kind of stuck with Josh Jobs as your, as your number two. And I, to be honest with you, I, I, I like having Josh Jobs on the roster. Definitely. I think he should be a keeper around and, you know, a guy you can develop, but I don't, I don't like I don't like him as a number two right now. I don't feel confident with him as a number two, and you know he's he is kind of the favorite to be the number two because he's more experienced and he and he played that role last year. All right, uh, James Washington. Uh, obviously, we heard a lot of positive reviews about the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. He's in his second year, and he seems to be the favorite to take over that number three role in this offense, in the passing game. James Washington had a really, really good uh, game in week one. Yeah, James Washington, you know, he's he's flashed. He, he flashed at the end of last year. You know, he had a really good week 17 game of last year. So he's come around, really. And I think he's just building on that. I thought he had a good OTAs. You know, he was getting some, he was getting some positive press, getting some positive words from his teammates, um, you know, in interviews. So he, he came out, he, you know, he made a statement. He said, you know, I am, he really made the statement that I, I'm the number three receiver in Pittsburgh. 
Um, I think that's the the thing. I know I know a lot of people are talking about him being the number two over Moncrief, but you know Moncrief just has the experience and he's a veteran and he's done this in the league. So I I really I really think Moncrief. Moncrief becomes the number two, and I think James Washington is their number three. But yeah, I, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like this was a good pick in the second round by James Washington. Yeah, I was disappointed in his rookie year, but you know, it seems like he's, he's got the kinks out, and now he, he's ready to have a good career in Pittsburgh. I think eventually he'll beat out Moncrief. Moncrief, I don't think he'll be in the beginning of the season. I think the Steelers will trust Moncrief early on, maybe during the the first month of the season. But I think eventually Washington takes over in October, November as the number two. Uh, I, I have no doubt about that because Moncrief has been an underachiever throughout his NFL career. It's a, a day two pick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, can I can I just throw one out? You know, now that we're talking about the Steelers, and you okay. know, I know we got to move on to other stuff, but I just want to talk about Ola Ola Sinkami Adene. Okay. Um, the, the, defensive, the kid, defensive end slash pass yeah, rush. yeah. You know, he came in his first year. He was hurt a lot of the year, but in the preseason, he you know he had a strip sack, and you know he was getting some pressure. This year, I'm seeing a better rip move. I'm seeing a better pass rusher. I'm seeing a guy who can contribute on special teams. And I'm seeing a guy who can tackle on the open field. I, I legitimately think what they should do is that they should, you know, maybe put Ola in and situationally in this year. And then in 2020, I think they should just let Bud Dupree go and go with Ola Denier. Wow. Wow. That, that should be interesting. I mean, obviously young players come in and they develop and they get better and, I'm hoping, I'm pulling for these guy, this guy because Dupree has been, has been up and down during his, during his career. I'm, I'm being kind. Let's talk about the 2019 NFL draft when it comes to the Steelers. You and I were critical of the Steelers picks. We were critical of them trading up for Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. We've criticized, you know, Deontay Johnson pick. Justin Lane, you've criticized that pick, but Justin Lane and Devin Bush came to play during week one. Devin Bush definitely came to play. I, I, I mean, I, 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 there was no doubt about it. I mean, he dominated. He looks like he deserves to start week one. The Justin Lane, I didn't think did very good. He, he missed a pretty bad tackle, um, you know, in the first quarter. So I, you know, he played the whole game because the Steelers have a lot of injuries at corner right now. But I, I, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't impressed with Justin Lane's performance this week. But you, you told me off the air that you're feeling good about the Steelers. You haven't been this excited about the, this team in a while. I, I like, I like some of their, I like some of their other picks. I, I thought Gentry had a good game. I thought, I thought other, you know, other guys, uh, Deontay Johnson was hurt, so it's, it's still, it still remains to be seen who he is. And I, I don't, I don't know, it, it looks like, it looks like he may not even dress to start the season. So I'm not, I'm not really that impressed. But the Devin Bush pick, if there, if there is one pick that I'm gonna admit I was wrong about, the pick I, oh, I'm gonna admit I was wrong about was Devin Bush. He definitely looks good in coverage too. And he definitely deserves to be that Ryan Shazir in the Mac linebacker role. Well, it looks like he's going to be. And you know what? I can admit it as well. I was wrong about Devin Bush. And he fits really well in that 3-4 defense as an inside linebacker. And he'll continue 
to, to excel in that role. So I can admit it. I was wrong about Devin Bush as well. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned you haven't been excited about, you haven't been this excited about the Steelers in a while with Le'Veon Bell gone, with AB gone. It seems like a lot of weapons, a lot of guys, a lot of missing pieces, a lot of production, but you know, young guys are picking up the slack. So let's talk about AB. What the hell is going on, Ed? The, the the truth is is that I, I I saw this you know sort of through social media I followed him on on Snapchat and I just I remember before all this drama happened I said man this guy's a great receiver I love him but man this guy's just so into himself I mean just so into himself and I think that was that was really what he was like before you know before he got big and well, I, I just he's he's a head case he's a diva. Um, a lot of wide receivers are divas. I mean, we've seen it before, from Randy Moss to T.O. I mean, A.B. is no different. But what the hell is going on? I mean, he's got this this foot issue, and then some people are saying it's not even a foot issue. It has more to do with him not wanting to wear a new helmet because they've got new helmet rules now. He's been wearing an old helmet for 10 years, and now it's not uh, approved I mean, it can't be used, and it seems like he's fighting the NFL over this issue, and it's just, it's almost like a lost cause, and he's hinting at the fact that if they wouldn't let him wear his old helmet, he's going to quit. I mean, the Raiders might be, they have to be feeling ecstatic about overstatement, overstatements like this from AB on Twitter. To, to be honest with you, my hope with AB is that you know what? Maybe he just he sticks to his guns and the play, and I I I kind of hope he walks away from the game and just you know <laughs> gets gets the help he needs because it just to be honest with you, I mean th- this is just like when you talk about incidents. I mean it's just it's not one incident or two incidents. I mean you know the, there there was the furniture that almost hit the you know infant and uh you know just you know pushing down the mother of his children and just. This guy, this guy is so out of control. And I mean, he's also, he's also, he's got a little bit of, uh, he's got a little bit of that social media, you know, troll in him where he's, you know, he's, he's doing all these things for publicity. So it's like, he's just, he's just, I mean, I don't know how else to say, but he's lost his mind. Yeah, he really has. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's what it looks like from the outside. And maybe we're, we don't know as much. Uh, we're, we're not in tune. Well, obviously, we we don't know AB personally, but it's just it, it's a little bit out of control right now. And the the Raiders wanted to get the number one wide receiver for Derek Carr to find out if he's their quarterback of the future. And now we, we just don't know if AB is going to be ready or not. So uh, it's interesting. It's just, I'm I'm sure Gruden and Mayock somewhere behind closed doors are regretting making this trade and, and just. Wishing that he, you know, the Steelers would have pulled the trade and, and sent him to the Buffalo Bills where he didn't want to play. Well, you know who's 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 kind of rubbing their hands together, <laughs> you know, great excited about all this drama is Hard Knocks. They're like, yeah, we picked the right team with the Raiders. They are full of drama. Yeah, well, they they know their stuff. They know their stuff. I mean, they know where to go. Where where they're. Where there's Gruden, where there is AB, and, you know, there are a lot of characters on that team, and it starts at the top. All right, let's uh, move on from preseason action. I'm sure we'll continue talking about it um, next week uh, when we uh, check out week two. But let's get into the conference previews. Uh, let's start with the ACC, Ed. 
Obviously, the ACC, Clemson, uh, they walked away with the national championship last year. They were led by Trevor Lawrence, their exciting, true freshman who just came onto the scene and what? He threw 30 touchdown passes and only four picks. Winning the national title as a true freshman, I mean, that's it's unprecedented. I mean, Tua did it, but... He, he wasn't the starting quarterback for almost the entire season. And Lawrence didn't open as the starting quarterback for Clemson, but he certainly took over that role as the season began. So um, I, I look at this conference, and, I mean, Clemson is the favorite right now to get back into the college football playoff. And it seems like D- Dabo Sweeney is, is building something special over there at Clemson. So I, I would assume – your best team in the ACC is going to be the Clemson Tigers, right? There's there's no doubt about it. Um, they have plenty of star power on the offensive side of the ball, you know, receivers and running backs. and um, you know, They return Trevor Lawrence, who might be the best quarterback in college football. And, do, you know, I, I do, I do want to, you know, this is kind of like a shameless plug, but I did kind of say, well, you know, his freshman year, I said, you know, watch out for this Trevor Lawrence kid because he might he might step in for Clemson, and you know he did, and he, he even out you know he even out surprised me. Um, well, he's definitely the favorite for the Heisman Trophy because I mean you have Justin Herbert, you have Tua, they're in there, they're going to be in the running. They have very talented teams, but Clemson is loaded with Travis Etienne and you know, T Higgins and. You know, they've got Justin Ross. He's just got too many weapons out there at Clemson. And uh, Lawrence, if he doesn't win the Heisman, it's uh, it's going to be a surprise to me. Yeah, watch out for Clemson's offense this year. They're gonna they're gonna light some teams up this year. They're they are. By, by I am I am a little bit worried about Clemson's defense, especially that defensive line. I mean, when you lose Cleveland Farrell, when you lose Christian Wilkins, when you lose Dexter Lawrence, it's not going to go unnoticed. I'm sure Clemson is going to be able to replace those guys, but it's going to take a while. So uh, that's the one weakness that I see. They're not going to be able to get to the quarterback like they did last year. Yeah, the, their defense, their defense. But, you know, some guys stayed. Isaiah Simmons, Kayvon Wallace, Tanner Muse. So, um you know they're they're they have they they're definitely going to compete for a national championship and they have the easiest path. I mean, when you talk about like Alabama, Georgia, you know Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma may have an easier path to the playoff, but you know to really get to the national championship, I mean Clemson, Clemson, I mean Clemson has the easiest path. I mean they they have to they have to win the ACC. They're definitely the best team in the ACC. So I, I I mean of of any of the teams that I think will make it in the college football playoff, I think Clemson is the most likely. Uh, well, other than the Tigers, it, it's kind of tough to predict this conference because there are just too many unknowns. So some new head coaches in there, and, and so it's going to be really tough to predict who who's the team on the rise, who is the team on the decline. Because other than Clemson, I just don't see anybody that's that's going to even come close to, to challenging them. But let's talk about who, who do you think is the team on the rise in the ECC conference? I like uh, Virginia Tech. Um, you know, Ryan Willis is an under-the-radar quarterback, and he's going to be a senior in 2019. Um, they return 11 starters, and they're going to be more experienced on defense in 2019. 
Uh, they don't have a particularly hard schedules. They're going to avoid Clemson in 2019 unless they kind of see them in the conference championship. Um, they could very well be the team that wins the ACC Coastal. Um, and this would be Justin Fuente's third season. So now he has time to develop the program. He's had time to develop the program after losing Frank, you know, after Frank Beamer left. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm higher on Virginia Tech and they, they very much could be in the ACC championship game, which, which unfortunately for them will probably not turn out very well. All right. Um, I'm going to go with the Miami, uh, Miami Hurricanes. I, I think they made the right hire, uh, by getting Manny Diaz as their head coach, uh, when Mark Rick stepped, stepped away. Obviously I picked Miami last year to, to go to the college football playoff. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, they finished seven and six overall and they were a four and four in, in the ACC. The biggest question mark is quarterback. I mean, they've got Tate Martell, they've got Perry, they've got this redshirt freshman and Jaron Williams. Who's going to win that quarterback job? Nobody really knows. Nobody has taken hold of that. But they've got, you know, they've got a running game. And with DJ Dallas, the, the big running back, they've got a lot of wide receivers. Jeff Thomas returns. Lawrence Cager has bolted, uh, actually has bolted for Georgia, but they've got KJ Osborne from Buffalo. They've got Jeff Thomas. They've got some weapons out there. So, uh, and that defense is going to be loaded. And I mean, it starts with the linebackers out there with Pinckney and Quarterman, and they've got some talent in the secondary as well. So Manny Diaz, he, he knows a little something about that, about building a good defense. And I think we'll see, uh, defense carry the way for the Miami Hurricanes this year. So uh, I think the Miami Hurricanes are going to come out out of the Coastal. I think they'll win nine games, and I think it's going to be good enough. So I think they're definitely a team on the rise. How about a team on the decline? You know, the team I got is NC State. Um, they lost a lot of talent. Your boy, Kelvin Harmon, Ryan Finley, and Jermaine Pratt. Um, they need all new players on the offense. Uh, they only returned four starters on offense. Uh They'll need a new QB, and they might have to turn to sophomore Matthew McKay. Uh, their defensive line hasn't really recovered since losing the four. You know, there was that year that four of them went in the twenty, is it the twenty eighteen draft? Yeah, yeah. So I I I I I think NC State is is going to have a down year. All right, I, I'm going to go with Duke. Uh, I think David Cutcliffe has done an unbelievable job there. I mean, he he's what he enters his 12th year. Um, obviously, Daniel Jones is gone, and, and they've got Quentin Harris to replace him. He's not really a thrower, from what I've seen. He's a better runner than Daniel Jones, but he, he's more of a running quarterback. So they have to play Alabama. Um, you know, they've got some tough games against Pitt, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Miami. There's just nothing easy for Duke on the schedule. I realize that they don't play Clemson or Florida State, but there's just too many, too many tough games. And I think this team, after winning eight games last year, is going to win about five or six games this year. And I don't think surprise him. I mean, they've lost a lot of pieces. It's not only Daniel Jones, but they lost some pieces on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I think Duke is is going to take that step back this year. Uh, let's talk about prospects, Ed. Let's talk about guys that obviously Trevor Lawrence is, is going to be in the 2021 NFL draft. Justin Ross is is another talented wide receiver at Clemson who is only a sophomore. So we're not going to talk about those guys. Let's focus on 
players who are eligible for the 2020 NFL draft. And I'm sure you're going to start with those Clemson guys. Yeah, I mean, the name that I want to first talk about is uh, T. Higgins. Uh, he's a wide receiver from Clemson. Um, I, I will say I think he's a more of a day-two guy. There's so many good receivers in this draft, and I think there's just going to be a few guys that that need to be kind of pushed back. Um, the reason why – I think he has good height, and I think he's a red zone threat, but I think he's he's more of a day-two guy just – he can be lazy using his hands to catch the ball. I think he has some trouble being physical enough on the line of scrimmage. Uh, he needs to be more physical as a blocker. Uh, I don't think he ran a full route tree at Clemson. So T. Higgins is a guy to watch, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's probably more of a second-round guy at this point. Well, Clemson is definitely building something there at the wide receiver position. Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Williams, and now you've got T. Higgins, Justin Ross, and I'm sure we'll – We'll see a couple of more guys emerge this year. How about Travis Etienne? I mean, obviously he's an exciting weapon out there, a guy that I think has the capability of getting, you know, 2,000 yards. He's he's a running threat. He's a receiving threat. I think he is kind of the forgotten guy. People focus on Trevor Lawrence, T. Higgins, those wide receivers, but Travis Etienne has has emerged as as one of the best running backs in college football. Yeah, he's an explosive runner, shifty runner. He has good breakaway speed. Um, he does need a little bit more power, but I think he can cut really smoothly as a runner. A.J. Dillon, uh, another running back that I think people should be talking about. A big, pop, powerful back. Obviously, Boston College loves to feature those running backs, and Dillon has been featured since his freshman season. So um, another guy to keep an eye on. He is a junior, but... And he, he's a freak, and he's rumored to have 4-4 speed. Yeah, um, you know, great speed, hits the hole hard, um, cuts well as a runner. Uh, the things I want to see him improve on is him in the receiving game and him as a blocker. But, you know, as a pure runner, A.J. Dillon definitely is, a is you know, an NFL. You know, he's definitely in the top three rounds conversation. Anybody else you want to talk about on the offensive side before we uh, move on to the defense? Um, let me think about that for a second. Um, as far as as far as defense, I mean, we you and I talked about Bryce Hall, the the quarterback from Virginia. We featured Isaiah Simmons, uh, linebacker from Clemson, last week. Um, anybody you want to talk about um, as far as? ACC defenders that get you excited? Um, how about A.J. Terrell from uh, Clemson? Okay, all right, the um, corner, the talented corner. Yeah, um, I think he's a good open field tackler. I think he's physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, can be a little bit handsy, but, um, you know, you can play the outside in the slot. And I think what I what I like about him is I think he stays in phase and coverage. So um, I think this is a legitimate first-round corner. All right, interesting. Uh, that's that's a powerful statement. Um, some other guys to watch on the defensive side. Marvin Wilson, uh, I think, a defensive tackle from Florida State, uh, a legitimate you know guy who's about six three, six four, three hundred and fifteen pounds, a good run defender, can you know get to the quarterback. I think Marvin Wilson is going to explode this year into a first round prospect. And a couple of linebackers I already mentioned, Michael Pinkney and Shaq Quarterman. Uh undersized, but these guys just they fly around and they make plays. They're always around the ball for, for the Miami Hurricanes. So those 
those are some a couple of more players to watch uh, on in the ACC. Let's move on to the Big 12, Ed. Uh, obviously, the Big 12 has to me it's like a two team race. It's a it's a race uh, between Oklahoma and Texas, kind of like the the good old days. I mean, you basically when you had you know Bob Stoops and and you know he was taking on the Texas program and, and you know it's just it, it was exciting. You know they were they were going back and forth and, and you know so, some days Oklahoma dominated and then there were others the Vince Young days when when Texas emerged victorious. So. To me, again, it's 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 a two-head, it's a two-team race out there in the Big 12. I don't see anybody else challenging Texas and Oklahoma. Do you agree with me? Yeah, it's definitely a two-team race. I, I I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that Oklahoma's the team, though. I, but I I will say I do like Sam Ellinger from uh, Texas. I think he I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a legitimate. You know, I mean, I think he's he, he's he's in the He's in the first, you know, he's a day one or day two kind of guy. Well, I mean, he's certainly, I mean, he handled the attention. I mean, he completed 65% of his passes last season for nearly 3,300 yards and 25 touchdowns, and he only threw for five picks. And he's also, you know, he picked up almost 500 yards on the ground. So he was Texas offense. I mean, people focused on Kyler Murray, but Ellinger was – you know, he is going to take that step forward as a junior, and I, I don't doubt that as well. But you still believe that Oklahoma is going to win this conference, right? You think that Jalen Hurts is going to continue to – he's going to be able to live up to those expectations and continue in the in the footsteps of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say in the footsteps of those two. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman, but I think he's okay. going to lead them to a conference championship. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a mobile quarterback. He is a very good college quarterback. Um, you know, the Sooners return nine starters on defense. So, um, you know, they may even be better and they may be a team that can actually play some defense in the Big 12. Um, Lincoln Riley has had plenty of success in the Big 12. Um, the schedule is not really that hard. Um, you know, there is the October 12th game uh, with Texas, um, and that might be the only game that they're not the favorite. But other than that, um, you know, they should they should really do well in the Big 12. Um, I don't I don't know if they're if they're going to be in my top four. You know, sort of at the end. You know, my top four prediction. But I do think I do think they're going to be in the conversation. You know, sort of. Sort of when they're when when the playoff committee announces it, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be talked about. Um, I think they're going to be in the conversation for the playoff, but I don't think they're going to get in. All right, I'm going to go with Texas as the the best team in the Big Twelve. I, I think Oklahoma has been has been great. Lincoln Riley has has built something special and has continued to. You know, build on uh, the the program that Bob Stoops started. But I'm going to go with Texas this year. It's Sam Ellinger. I, I think he's going to take that next step forward. I know that they play against LSU and Oklahoma, but I think this is a legitimate 12 and one team. Um, the expectations are so high in, in Texas. I mean, people are expecting them to get into the college football playoff, and maybe sometimes those expectations just 
blow up in your face. But I think this year Texas will take down Oklahoma and, and win the Big 12. So I'm going to go with the Longhorns. How about a team that will uh, surprise, a team that that's going to rise this year? Well, I like uh, the Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, they have a new coach in Chris Kleeman. Um, he was pretty successful in North Dakota State, you know, the four out of five national championships. Granted, it was FCF national championships. Um, they returned seven on offense and eight on defense. Uh, Skylar Thompson, their quarterback, will be a junior this year. Um, they have a good receiving core in Isaiah Zuber, Malik Nowells, and uh, Dalton Schoen. Um They also uh, landed senior graduate transfer running back uh, James Gilbert, who will be Will probably be first in the rotation. I mean, they're kind of more of a rotational back team. So I like I like Kansas State this year. I also like Kansas State. I think there's a lot to get excited about. Obviously, the Bill Snyder era is over, and last year Kansas State only went five and seven. But I think with the new head coach, uh, with the new system, and obviously, you know, their coach comes from the North Dakota State program it has dominated over the past decade I think they're going to be able to he's going to be able to get the Wildcats back I'm not saying this is a team that's going to vie for a Big 12 championship this year but I think this team is is going to be better I think they'll go bowling I think they'll win eight games so I'll also go with Kansas State by the way Isaiah Zuber uh, one side note transferred to Mississippi State but I do think that Kansas State um, you know, they have a good offense and they have something to work with. How about a team on the, the decline? How about a team that's, that's bound to disappoint this year, Ed? Well, my love affair with Will Greer continues as I, I say that, you know, he's left West Virginia and I think a lot of, I think a lot of things are kind of falling apart there. Um, you know, Dana Holgerson left for Houston and I, I think my real, my real belief is that you know, just the talent was running dry there, and it was kind of smart for Holgerson to just get out and go to another team. Um, it is a little puzzling that he would go from West Virginia to Houston, but um, you know, the the, the I, I guess I guess he believes that he he can win the conference with Houston. I think he can turn it into a juggernaut, like in the good old days. And you know, he he hasn't been. I mean, he's been successful in the Big 12, but he hasn't been able to get over the top, right? So, uh, you know, obviously he's got Texas and Oklahoma to, to go up against. I think he, he knows that he can accomplish bigger and better things in Houston because there's less competition in that conference. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, to be the coach at West Virginia or to be the coach at Houston, I'm going to be the coach at West Virginia. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, but you know what? They've got a new head coach, Neil Brown from Troy, and they certainly had, he had some really good offensive teams there. So I, I don't think they're going to take a step for, uh, step back in, in that regard. They might not have Will Greer, but I think Neil Brown built something at Troy, and, and we'll see if he's going to be able to recapture that magic of West Virginia. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Iowa State, and uh, I just think that David Montgomery is gone. Hakeem Butler is gone. They have quarterback in Brock Purdy. He had a good freshman season, but um, he just he doesn't have the weapons. I mean, David Montgomery carried that offense the past couple of years, and, and I don't think Matt Campbell has that type of player that he can build around. So um, I, I just think it's going to be tough. I mean, will, will they be able to win eight games for a third straight season like they did last year? I'm not sure. Uh, I think their schedule is is a bit tougher this year, and 
I just think they're about to take a step back. I, I see this team winning five or six games. I just think I, I don't see how Iowa State can compete in the Big 12. All right, let, let's move on and talk about the, the best prospects uh, in the Big 12 conference. Okay, well, uh, the first name that kind of comes to mind is CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Um, I, I like him really as a college player. Um, you know, I think he's still kind of in the top, you know, day one or day two conversation. Uh, but he needs to be sharper on his routes, not a full route tree at, uh, Oklahoma. Um, drops are a concern for me. Um, but you know, he's a guy who, who can line up in the slot and the outside and, um, you know he ha- he has he has some vertical ability. So uh, C D Lamb, you know he's been a playmaker in college, and so I think I think somebody's gonna like that. He's gonna be one of the top wide receivers in that in the 2020 NFL draft. So uh, yeah, C D Lamb definitely needs to be talked about uh, in in the same conversation as Jerry Judy or Lavisca Chanel. He's he's a different type of player, but. Uh, He's going to be able to get a chance to, to make some plays. How about Tylon Wallace, but the wide receiver from Oklahoma State? I think he's a guy that's just uh, not being talked about enough. I mean, Oklahoma State has produced some some pretty good wide receivers that have come out of that program. Des Brown, uh, Des you know Des Bryant, and you know Blackman. Even though he, he never hit it big in the NFL, but those guys were awesome college wide receivers, and Des Bryant obviously achieved a lot. Um, you know, in his career in the NFL. But Tylon Wallace is is the next great wide receiver to come out of Oklahoma State. Not many people know about him. Not many people are talking about him. But he had a very good sophomore season. I think he's gonna he's gonna con- continue to build on that. I think this guy's gonna he's gonna sneak into the first round. Any? Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I actually I actually like him better than uh, I like his CD Lamb. Okay. I mean, uh, what do you like about him? What do you like about Wallace that makes you uh, believe that he's a better NFL prospect than Lamb? Well, I think he's a deep threat. I think he has good cuts in his routes. I think he gets off the line of scrimmage well. I think he's a zone beater. Um, you know, if he could stay away from the drops, I, I mean, I think this is a legitimate. This this is a guy who should go in the first round. And, you know, this is a good wide receiver year for the draft. But he he deserves to be a first round wide receiver in any year. This is a great wide receiver class coming up because all these juniors, if they stay healthy, they're going to enter the draft. So this is going to be a fantastic year for the wide receiver and the running backs. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on: Oklahoma tight end. He's a junior. His name is Grant Calcaterra. Uh, I just think this guy's a playmaker. Every time you you saw him last year, he's making a lot of plays in the middle of the field. Uh, he was kind of the safety net for, for Kyla Murray. So Grant Calcaterra is a name to to get to know because I, I think this guy is, is going to go on, on day two if he enters the NFL draft. Um, is there anybody we should focus on? Yeah, the, anybody else on the offensive side or the defensive side in the Big 12? Well, I, I want to talk about Denzel Mims from uh, Baylor. Um, I think he's a guy who's quick off the line of scrimmage. He can high point the ball. Um, deep threat, good speed, good focus to come up with 50-50 balls. I think I think the one thing he do, does need to do is he needs to learn to sink his hips. But uh, Denzel Mims, I I think this is another first round wide receiver. 
Agreed. I mean, he's coming back for his senior year, and uh, I think we'll we'll definitely see him at the Senior Bowl. But the wide receivers, there are some wide receivers in the Big 12. I mean, we already mentioned three guys, but there's also Jalen Rieger, the exciting playmaker out of TCU, a junior wide receiver. There's Colin Johnson, the big wide receiver from Texas, who's about 6'5", 6'6", um, who can who can be a, a nightmare in the red zone. So uh, there are some really good wide receivers in the Big 12. Uh, anybody else that we should be keeping an eye on on the defensive side of the ball, Ed? Um, you know, I I, I kind of see the, the the Big 12 as a as, as a an offense, offense, offensive offensive like. conference. Yeah, I mean, um, it makes sense. Makes I, sense. I do want to talk. I, I, I just want to talk about what I like about Sam Ellinger from uh, Texas. Um, you know, I just I think he goes through his progressions quickly. Um, I think he can fit passes into tight windows. I think he's good pocket awareness. Uh, maybe needs to work on that internal clock. Um, you know, maybe sometimes struggles throwing under the run, um, but he's decent throwing under the pressure. He can execute a design run, and he has good mechanics. So, um, yeah, I. I I mean, if there's like maybe like a if we want to talk about a Heisman dark horse, um, you know maybe Texas Texas beats Oklahoma this year, they get into the playoff or they, you know they make a run, um, you know maybe maybe Sam Ellinger is kind of that that Heisman dark horse. Well, I mean, he if Texas wins the Big Twelve and then the college football playoff, then Ellinger is definitely going to be the catalyst behind it, and he's definitely going to be in New York. Um, you know, vying for that Heisman Trophy. A couple of defenders in the Big 12 I wanted to mention before we move on. Kenneth Murray, the junior linebacker from Oklahoma. I, I think he's the best defender in the Big 12. And also Reggie Walker, a defensive end from Kansas State. Uh, this guy is a, kind of a, a try-hard type defensive end. He's got a great motor, and uh, he's a guy that puts pressure on the quarterback. So a couple of guys to keep an eye on uh, as far as the, the defensive side of the ball. I think we uh, you know, we got our listeners covered as far as the Big 12 and the ACC. We'll preview a couple of more conferences next week. Now we're going to move on and put a couple of prospects under the microscope. And we start with another wide receiver – from the Pac-12, a guy that would have won the Belichnikov Award if it wasn't for that injury, if he didn't get hurt, because he was putting up some monster numbers. And uh, his name is LaVisca Chenault Jr., uh, a wide receiver from Colorado. I mean, we, we don't usually talk about wide receivers from Colorado. And a lot of it, obviously, is going to depend on his quarterback. I mean, Steven Montez has to be better. Um, and... He has to be able to get him the ball, but LaVisca Chenault is definitely an exciting playmaker in that offense. Yeah, um, you know, guy who's, you know, able to, you know, just do a lot as a as a dynamic player. Um, you know, he can be used as, like, you know, a lot of gadgets and streams. Uh, you know, he's got a running back's build, but he's got a 6'1", six, you know, 6'1", six, 6'0", six height. Uh, he's a vertical threat. Um, you know, he's better in the slot, but he can also play on the outside. He's got toughness. Um, you know, a lot of it is maybe just getting him a full route tree. Um, you know, if he can, if he can develop a full route tree and, um, you know, he could stay healthy. Um, you know, he's a first rounder. 
Oh, he definitely has the physical tools. I mean, you've got it. He's got he's a playmaker. He's got size. He's got great strength. He's kind of like a running back. It's tough to bring him down. I mean, it takes like two or three guys to bring him down, kind of like Anquan Bolden-esque. You know, Colorado last year, they used him kind of in a Sammy Watkins type of role, something that I saw Clemson do a few years back with Sammy Watkins. And it seems like LaVisca Chenault has been used in that that same regard. I mean, the the line him up as a wildcat. Uh, you know, he, he runs it in those short yardage situations. Uh, but, you know, there are a couple of things he's got to work on. He's got strong hands. He makes contested catches. He tracks the ball extremely well on downfield throws. But route running, Ed, I mean, he's very raw when it comes to route running. Uh, he, he's got to be quicker in and out of his breaks, even for a guy who's about 6'2", 220. Uh, at times, he's bothered by press coverage. Colorado kind of hides him. They use him in the slot. But when the defenders got their hands on him, they were able to, to throw him off his game. And it kind of is something that he doesn't like. He He's a physical player, but he doesn't seems to he doesn't seem to relinquish uh that physicality at the line of scrimmage when the DBs get their hands on him. So I think he's a physical specimen, but he still has raw skills. But he's a natural hands catcher. Uh, he makes a lot of catches in traffic. He's a deep threat, and I'm sure Colorado is going to continue to uh to build their offense around him. I'm sure if he stays healthy, I mean this kid is is going to put up some monster numbers there this year for the Buffaloes. Yeah, definitely a great college player and probably probably one of the best receivers and probably the best receiver in Colorado history. No, absolutely. I mean, it's a strong statement. I saw Paul Richardson when he was a wide receiver there at Colorado, but this is this guy is on a different level out there. I mean, he, he definitely uses him in different ways. He lines up as an H-back. He lines up as a Wildcat QB. They move him around, and he made a couple of fantastic plays against Nebraska last year and made that that game-winning touchdown catch down the field late in the fourth quarter. So he's certainly clutch. And, again, uh, Ed and I are excited about this wide receiver class, and everybody's going to be excited about this wide receiver class come January and February because this is a special group. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, Ed. And we've got another talented Ohio State defensive end lurking around. Last year we talked about Nick Bosa. I think this year people are going to be talking about Chase Young. Yeah, I'm not as I'm not as high on Chase Young though as 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 maybe like the way you said it, where you know you compare him to Nick Bosa. No, um, I'm not. I'm not comparing him to Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a special talent, but everybody talked about Nick Bosa. But people are going to be focusing on Chase Young as a top ten, top fifteen pick because I, I think this guy is going to grow into that role as a junior this year. Well, I will say he has a nice rip move and a bull rush. Uh, he's a decent bend. Um, he's too quick for guards, so he executes stunts very well. That's kind of been his bread and butter. Is you know when they get him matched up against a guard, he's able to he's able to beat them and you know get into the backfield. Um, you know he's 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 got some coverage ability. I mean, I could see him being sort of that three four outside linebacker more than Nick Bosa was. Um, the the thing that the thing that worries me about him the biggest thing that worries me about him is I don't think he's a very good run defender. 
I'm glad you mentioned that, by the way. I'm glad that you threw in the the three four outside linebacker in there because he certainly has the body type and the athleticism and the speed to play it. And I think a lot of teams are are going to view him as a three four outside linebacker at the next level. I'm not saying he can't play as a four three traditional defensive end, but I'm glad that you mentioned that he struggles as a run defender, but because that's that's definitely not his game. I mean, he gets after the quarterback, and, and that's why I think. His more natural position is going to be as a 3-4, three, 3-4 four. Three, four outside yeah. pass rush. But, uh, you know, I mean, he converts the speed to power well. Um, you know, he's athletic enough to bat passes down. Um, I would like to see his first step be quicker. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, it's something he's got to work on a little bit. But uh, I like his hand usage, Ed. I think that there's some things. I mean, he flashed as a sophomore, and – I just think he's a guy that's going to grow into that role and become a better player as a junior. And I think it's the upside that that's getting me excited and getting some other people excited out there. He's certainly not a finished product. He's certainly not Nick Bosa, and I don't think he will be, but he has the potential to be a top 10, top 15 pick in next year's draft, even with the with the talented wide receiver and running back class that that's going to emerge there. So um, I think Chase Young is definitely a, a defender to, to keep an eye on because he's going to come off the board pretty pretty early. All right, this was uh, – we put a couple of more prospects under the microscope. We'll return next week. Uh, this was Blitzcast number 67. I'm your host, Alex Kavtov, for my co-host and partner, Ed Hunt. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.